On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're belting out show tunes with Paramount Plus, thanks to Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, facing eviction along with Daisy May Cooper for Rain Dogs on BBC One, to talk about which Jack Farthing joins us a little later on. And finally, we've got beef with Netflix. But literally this time, not just because they cancelled all the good shows, as revenge comedy beef lands on that service on Thursday. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your essential guide to every show that matters, and a podcast that is reduced in number this week, as Kay cannot be joining us, as she's in Athens. And it's important to emphasise that it is, in fact, the trip to Greece that has stopped her being here, and it is in no way connected to the fact that The Night Agent was officially renewed this week, giving Agent Sexy Pants another season, after which Kay needed a little personal time. But it's all good, because Boydie is still here in spite of The Night Agent's renewal, and that's not all, because back with us this week in a triumphant return to the mic is Beth Webb. Just when she thought she was out, we pull her back in. Yeah, here, here I you am. are. You thought you back into the abyss. You thought you'd escaped us, didn't you? <laughs> didn't you? Are you excited to be back? Yeah, I mean, Which yeah. Said no. No. <laughs> no, 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 James. Frankly, I'm not. My time. Contractually, yeah. the things I could be doing with right now instead of saying no, I missed. I missed our listeners, and <laughs> Boyd is always a treat, so here we are. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Yeah, I, was, I mean, it wasn't subtle, James, so... It's fine, it's fine. You know, this, 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 this I, yeah, I've missed this abuse. I mean, I get abuse from Kay as well. <laughs> I was going to say, but, uh, I don't think Kay's uh, very coy. But look, hey, let's get right to the important thing hey. today. Hey. hey let's guys. get to the cake. Fruity, uh, yeah. spongy, creamy cake to celebrate our reviews. Uh, and look, look, I've brought it here. Oh. I've brought the cake so we can all enjoy it together. That's fair while Kay's in Greece. Don't you think this, this is nice, right? There's a yeah. cake. Oh, well, so, so, Beth, so what you need to understand is, uh, obviously, I, I exhort people to leave us five-star reviews. You'll remember this. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Kay took a different tack. She said that if enough people left a five-star review mm. without consulting me, I would buy cake for the podcast. Oh, and she's now, not here to have now, it. Now, <laughs> what she failed to anticipate was a loophole in that, that at no oh, point did she specify go. when the cake should oh, be bought. So I have brought the cake so today mean. while she's on holiday. <laughs> so we will eat the cake without her. So I will have fulfilled my end of the bargain. Oh, you nightmare. But she still doesn't get cake. Oh, do you I know mean, what? Yeah. I'm, going, I'm in the same office as her now. I'm going to take her own cake. Mm. Oh, that's so mean. Be, just be aware that I, I, mean, I can't see any huge big box of cake um, on your on your de- the other side of the desk, James. So, what kind of cake exactly are we talking about here? I mean, look. If I'm going to be brutally honest with you, yeah. Boydie, uh for the sake of this gag, mm. <laughs> I ran across the road while we were setting up and bought. A blueberry muffin oh, from is, Pure. Awesome. I mean, that is one hundred percent bell end behaviour. <laughs> and to make it even worse, I'm not sharing it with you. I'm going to eat it. So, <laughs> so, so, but, 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 I, to te- on a technicality, I feel I may have fulfilled at least part of <sighs> my end of the bargain. Tiresome. It's not even a big muffin. I yeah. could fit it's, that in the palm of my it's hand. It's not. It's not. It's not a massive muffin so what no. we're saying is it's a blueberry muffin James was hungry yeah <laughs> and I went and got a muffin a breakfast item <laughs> well, yeah, a breakfast absolutely. snack not a yeah. cake at all Using it does it. not count as a cake <laughs> I mean, so I'm afraid it, it tastes yeah. pretty good yeah it may well taste really good but <laughs> you have not you have not met up with your requirements no, not at all. in this challenge right. at all. so do not for a minute Expect us to accept this. Donut for a minute. Donut accept this. Display <laughs> as a cake right. delivery. 
Just saying, I still need to get some kind of fruity, spongy, Absolutely. creamy why, cake. Why a fruity cake? Why don't you go for like it's, this fun it's cake? A long story. It's a long story. Oh, okay. like, it goes back to when I bought a fruity, spongy, creamy cake from right. Patisserie Valerie Ooh. for my then co- uh, uh, podcast colleagues, including Kay, right. back in the day. So this goes back to a long way. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. And I didn't just buy a fucking blueberry muffin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. For myself. Fine. <laughs> it may it may be my plan has backfired. Let's uh let's let's avoid muffin gate by talking about what you've been watching. Beth, what have you been watching for the last however many months? <laughs> so yeah, it's been a few months. It's been a few months. Yeah. Uh within which time, about this time last month actually, I got COVID. Um so I had a week where I didn't have very much on. And because of the blessed gift of time I've received, <laughs> having not having to watch four to six shows every single week. I was like, oh my goodness, I've exhausted my watch list, which left the state pretty clean. And I had this time ahead of me and I was like, oh my God, it's time, guys. Like, I've got the time to sit down, decent chunk of time. Battlestar Galactica. Not quite. Okay. You know, I was like, this is it. And I could hear James's voice, man. I was like, here we go. So I sat down and I pressed play on episode one of Justified. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. No, I. I, I had the wire no, in the back of my that, head. It's going to be the wire. It's going to be the wire. That was the pun. That was the joke. Don't make me explain it because it makes it less funny. <laughs> yeah. It's never as funny when you I have never found that. But it was, I was amounting to it be the wire, but I actually started Justified and I'm having such a fun time with Justified. Oh my. Raylan Givens. Oh. Boyd, my my partner has mm. this like weird crush on on Walter Boyd Goggins, Crowder. and I never <laughs> saw it until wow. I started watching Justified. Um, but we've really we've really got into it. I've really got into it on a separate note crocheting this year. Like I'm really into it. Like I've just got a new need to crochet, and my new thing is slapping on an episode of Justified. And crocheting. Oh, crocheting. It, it's there's no really actual nice. crocheting in Justified. No, there's not. Oh, but if, okay. there, if there is, I'm not there yet. Right. Um, right. Because there's just such a nice rhythm to the show and the way that they mm. speak and the di- like the dialect and the, the Lexus and you just kind of get caught up in it all. And I just sit there with my little crochet needle, mm. happy as Larry. How far are you into it? Uh, we blitzed for it because of aforementioned COVID. So I'm on... Th- uh, we've just started season three. Oh, because it, it shifts, doesn't it? Like mm. It shifts from a kind of case of the week structure to yeah. this ongoing art-based show. Yeah, definitely. Like, it really jumps, doesn't it, from season one to season two, where mm. Mags comes into it, who's brilliant. Yes. Um. So, yeah, it's just really fun to get pulled into it. And it's coming back, isn't it? There's like a remake or... Uh, was it? Is it a film or a remake? They're doing something, yes. Yeah, 13 um, years later. Uh, have you got, you've got to, obviously, Caitlin Deaver. Young Caitlin yeah. Deaver. Or oh, young, my younger Caitlin oh, Deaver. She's brilliant. Mm. And tiny. Yeah, very tiny. tiny Caitlin very she's, tiny. She's fantastic. Did she come back? I don't remember. It's been a long okay. time since I've watched it. All right. Well, yeah, so I'm into that at the moment. The wire's just going to have to wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> Although, obviously, a, a renewed sense of watching it now um, with poor Lance Reddick going. But, yeah. Yeah, so justified what else am I on? I'm obviously up to my armpits in Yellow Jackets conspiracies at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, I've plow- got some screeners for that, very luckily, and I'm plowing on with those at the moment. Bloody hell. It's just gone. It's gone to the depths, hasn't it? Which is kind of well, great. Well, I've only seen, well, as we record, I've only seen the first one. I will have seen the first two by the time we do Pilot Plus. But I, um, I've um, i been trying to ration myself and wash them as they air because we're doing them sort of spoiler chats week by week on Pilot Plus. I can't Plus. do it. I can't do it. So I'm trying no. to be good. I can't do it. 
it's it's addictive and i'm i'm just so gripped by it i'm so happy it's had kind of like middling reviews i've seen but i'm um oh no well I, into I, it. i'm fully on board yes yeah. yeah. it's, it's it's excellent yeah yeah fantastic so that's been me as well what else have i been watching oh frazier Oh. Frasier's been another oh. place, but that, I really that was do... again a left field choice <laughs> I didn't see coming. I can we just do anything not to watch The Wire. Um, it's all on 4OD, <laughs> and I've never seen it kind of all the way through. It's one of those things where it used to be on Channel 4 on like a weekday morning. So I remember it being on in the house, but being quite young and being like, oh, what's I think this? it still is. Is it? Yeah, because That's I, nice. I mean, I, I watch Frasier. If I, if I answered the question, what have you been watching with Frasier? I literally just, it's always on. It's <laughs> always on. It's like me in the West Wing. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's such a comforting. That is really oh, that's my yeah. comfort. Yeah. I've never really stopped. I've just never really stopped to pay attention uh, to it. It's okay. just always been like it was. You know, we were running around for school or whatever in the morning. Yeah. So now I've I've got it on properly, and oh, what a delight! It's brilliant. Isn't it? What an absolute it's delight! So good, yeah. Really, yeah. I'm settling into my mid thirties. Mm, fantastic. <laughs> with uh, Fraser Crane. Um. So yeah, she's having a really nice time with that. Just a really pleasing time. It's the, it's lovely when I don't have to rush for a weekly. Weekly yeah. deadline, no, just coast is very, yeah, very chilled out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know what that's like. I was just into Helena Hara. The years, the years have fallen off me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Boydie, what fifty thousand um, shows have you watched this week uh, for the podcast? No, I'm just going to talk about two actually. Um, well, I was just desperately looking through my phone just now. Um, I wasn't being rude to find who alerted me to this show that I needed to watch and talk about it, and I can't find it because I get people alerting me to stuff. Uh, that we discuss on the podcast via Twitter DMs and also via um, Instagram DMs mm. and sometimes via other sources as well. So I, I can't remember, but someone, and you can please feel free to remind me who you are at the next <laughs> in time for me to mention the next episode, said, have you watched We Need to Talk About Cosby, which is the BBC four-part documentary series on Bill Cosby, his life and career, up and to and including his sexual assault uh, cases. Cool. And <laughs> cool, cool isn't necessarily the word I'm going to use, but it is really interesting, thought-provoking uh, stuff. And what it do- it kind of puts in the you know you know that um, OJ Simpson epic OJ Simpson documentary series that was like five, six, seven hours long. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, yeah, which was one of the best script documentary series ever. It put the whole the specifics of that case into huge, wider political, cultural, socio-economic, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Context. Thank mm. you. Right. Context. And um, this does a similar job. We need to talk about Cosby. Four parts of it do a similar job. Um, and made by W. Camel Bell, Andrew Freed, KTA King, all the people working work on it. And it just and there's lots of stuff you don't necessarily know about him, um, about the cases, about the, uh, the the culture that enabled him to do the disgusting things he did. And you know, uh, and it's so it's it's not obviously it's not an easy watch because you know you James won't, won't even think of no. watching it. I know I'm not even I wouldn't even attempt to get you to think to watch it in any way whatsoever. <laughs> but if you want, it is really fascinating stuff. So there's that right. which I watched um, and. I gave. I thought, you know what? We couldn't. We didn't record. We didn't review it last week because um, I don't think. I'm not sure how hard we tried to get screeners even. But unstable on the Netflix, which is this mm. Rob Lowe show, mm. Rob Lowe sitcom. Basically, it's a half hour sitcom comedy series in which he stars with his son, John Owen Lowe. Yes, nepo baby, writ mm. large. Um, I thought I'll give it a go. You know, let's. You know, I'll just check it out. Just give it a chance. Just watch one episode. 
it's actually not that bad. That's a ringing endorsement, Boydie. <laughs> what a piece of quote. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound very ring. It's actually quite good. I'd even go as far as to say it's quite good. Um, it's basically Rob Lowe plays some kind of really rich businessman, tech guru kind of person, but basically playing himself pretty much as, as he often does, perhaps except for in the West Wing, who knows? And uh, his son, John Owen Lowe, plays his son, who's kind of socially, more socially awkward, he's a flautist of all jobs. Wow. Yeah. Um, so they have a kind of big culture clash between them. His son's, you know, soulful and a nice nook guy, and Rob Lowe is a bit of a twat. But um, he's they're both recovering from the loss of um, their mother slash wife. That's the kind of premise. And they're kind of brought back together. So they're, they're semi-estranged, not completely, but they're definitely like living miles away and not really communicating that much with each other. Then um, the son comes back to see the dad, and they kind of have a come to some kind of understanding. Now, it is quite, um, it has moments of uh, earnestness in classic American kind of mainstream comedy style. But do you know what? It's quite funny as well. I thought it was quite funny, quite good, not quite that good, bad. Quite good, not that All bad, and things. quite funny. Yeah, and the, but the real star of the show is the son, John Owen Lowe. He's very charming. Um, and even though he obviously is absolutely, uh, this is entirely a result of nepotism of the most blatant and yeah. obvious style in classic Hollywood you know, it, it, it just it says everything that's wrong about Hollywood, basically, <laughs> in a way that this could be made. But it's not that bad. It's pretty good. It's pretty. It's very well made. It's not like so. It's not cheesy multi camera sitcom style that you hate, James. Yes, for example, like you know the revival. What was the one we talked about recently? That nineties show. Yeah, that nineties show. It's not like that. It's not cheesy like that. It's well shot. It's a properly put together. Um, you know, it's got interesting music. It's like it looks like a proper you know Netflix show um so uh it's worth giving it yeah people might really like it and i actually might watch more episodes yeah there you go that's my ringing endorsement of unstable on the netflix now not that bad oh <laughs> one more thing sean clifford's in it she's the she's like the third is she lead. also not that bad who's brilliant obviously from fleabag etc and she is great she's plays this kind of like uh british she's the number two to Rob Lowe's character and trying to deal with him and kind of keep him on the straight and narrow right. and cope with his general annoyingness. Yes. And she's brilliant, obviously, in everything. She's great so, in everything. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the... She, I should have mentioned her earlier, she is probably the good a good in for a listener to this podcast, except for James, who won't watch it because it's a comedy. Yeah, exactly. And if you're looking for the reason why we didn't watch it, it wasn't because we didn't get screeners. We didn't watch it because because it's a half-hour comedy. <laughs> I think that was possibly <laughs> the reason that. Uh, when we were triaging the shows, mm. uh, much like we triaged the post bag. A you similar process is, in fact, used. Um, <laughs> So I've been watching, I guess, two things broadly this week. And just to be an absolute twat, I can't talk about one of them. Uh, I've been twat. watching one of the, I've been watching screeners of a thing. I know what it is. Yes, yes. Like, I'm sorry to be really woolly about Apple it, but TV I've got Plus. to, uh, I've got to, uh, to TV Plus? I don't know what you're talking about, boy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I'm just going to have to, I'm just going to have to obfuscate. should have my own little bingo card. I'm going to bury yeah. it down deep, deep, deep below the earth. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about what it is. But uh, I've been watching something this week. Um, but but so it was just going to be just that. That was going to be the only thing that I'd watched this week. Except, except last night, yeah. I went out. Not late. Wasn't too far <laughs> past my bedtime. The trains were utterly fucked. So it took me many hours to get home. There were diversions. I had to go to another station. There were cancellations. I had to sit on a platform for an hour. It was hideous. The whole thing was hideous. Right. And I was so tired. I was like, I just want to go to sleep. I, just want to... I said, Do you know what? So I pulled out my iPad. I was like, I'm just going to watch something. I'm going to watch it. What can I watch? What is on my iPad? 
that I could watch. So I kind of scrolled through all these things. Pornography. <laughs> yes. And I landed on something. I landed on something. And I fired up the terminal list. Now, yeah. this was the Chris Pratt yeah. conspiracy thriller yeah. military thing with Taylor Kitsch in it. Prime only video. You would watch. I video. I, I'm pretty sure it's Prime. Yeah. The only person that liked yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Pretty confident. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. But, but and crucially, this has been renewed for season two, so it's going to come back to everyone sooner or later. And and I was watching it. And I was thinking, so this is it's it's not dissimilar to the recently renewed The Night Agent in that regard. Oh, indeed. It's, but 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 totally. But, but it's better, and let me tell you why. It's, it's better mediocre. than the Night Agent. Sorry to Sean Ryan, but it's better than the Night Agent. The reason is, is because, and this is what I remember about the Terminal List before, it's like, it is so painfully earnest. It is so excruciatingly po-faced. Yeah. It has no sense of humour on any level. Like, There's not even a hint of it. Like, they are so utterly unaware of its absurdity and I do you know I quite I stand that a little bit I love it but it takes itself so deathly seriously and is entirely blind to its stupidity and I find that kind of aggressively stupid show with no self-awareness just quite charming whereas the night agent is a bit dappy at times and I kind of I think I, I think maybe not everyone on it is aware that it is but certainly some people are aware that it's a bit daft so it has a kind of playfulness to it there is no playfulness to the terminal oh list gosh. whatsoever it's so fucking serious. And I was really enjoying it. I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. It's that show and Jack Ryan. And that is yeah. there another one. That's a, I'm sure there's like these three <laughs> prime <laughs> video, yeah, espionage, thrillery. I, I just quite like them. Required viewing. I just quite like them. I don't know what it is about this. Is it because it's Pratt? Is it because it's Taylor Kitsch? Is it something about them that, mm. that as opposed to Agent Sexy Pants, which I know very much uh, gets K star mm. of approval? Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't know. I just I really liked it. I was I was like it made it made my hideous weight on a frankly freezing train platform more bearable. No. Well, that's something. Yeah. There's, yeah. Good, there's good female stars as well, isn't it? Riley Q's in it. And I mean, Sh briefly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no Spoiler spoilers alert. for Terminal List, but she gets okay. horribly murdered in the first oh episode. Oh my God. <laughs> she, that poor, waste of Riley. Poor yeah. actor just cannot get a break. Daisy Jones in the Six at least is that she gets... Yeah. Does she get horribly murdered in the first episode? No, but no. if you look at her film track record she yeah. gets pretty badly murdered in quite a lot of stuff mm. the house that jack built i think she gets killed in there's like a netflix movie. she just just dies a lot yeah. she just has a really bad time and this yeah, seems true. like no exception no she, she gets fridged very early on in this uh unfortunately <laughs> oh god yeah uh who else is in it don't worry. <laughs> James, that's real blank. You've just watched it. I mean, doofus. no, I have. But and I'm sure there are many, many wonderful people in it that I can't think <laughs> you of. Don't but care. Uh, yeah. That, to be fair, there it's is a Pratt. it's just about Pratt. There is a generic agent in this, a generic handsome agent in this that I feel uh Kay would very much Well, he's on. not Chris Pratt. Uh it's who's not Chris Pratt. There is a generic agent man in this. Right. Well, I guess that's everything that we've been watching, you know, that we can talk about. So 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 let's move on to this week's listener question. And this week's listener question comes once again from Annika Ruff, who has been asking this same question, frankly, repeatedly. Some might say relentlessly for many, many weeks. She's clearly very keen for us to answer it. So, Annika, fine, fine. We will finally address this, which came from someone else on Twitter. And it was basically name a TV show that should have ended after the first season. Now, I don't want to, you know bring the night agent up because I didn't watch the whole of the first season so I cannot speak one way or the other I will however say and this is preempting news slightly the night agent being renewed and I'm, I'm, I've thrown some shade I've thrown a little bit of shade at the night agent both in our review and of course here 
But a lot of people have messaged in to Stan the Night Agent to say that they, in fact, really enjoyed it and it was loads of fun and that we were really harsh. Well, me and you, Boyd, Kay loved it. Okay, yeah. Uh, so maybe we were wrong. Maybe it deserves its renewal. Maybe it is more deserving of renewal than, I don't know, the OA. Who knows? <laughs> Oh, don't. Don't, don't. don't, don't. don't it's ridiculous. too late in the day. Although I, I would like to see Boyd <laughs> rip his sweater off and start throwing things. <laughs> rip my sweater off. Yeah, that's steady. Do you have any idea how many hours he would have had to queue for that sweater had he queued for Supreme stuff? Like, a lot. Yeah, true, true. I am going to give the Night Agent another go, by the way. I think, I feel. You're going to rewatch the Terminal list oh, first. Do you know no, what I'm, I'm thinking not. of is the Night Manager. Well, is the, the Night Manager's great. The Night Manager is a brilliant example. Which is example. why I was like, why are you so angry about the Night Manager? No, the Night, night Agent. Agent. Yeah, it's easily confused. Night Agent is a mediocre <laughs> Netflix uh, espionage thriller. Oh, With is. Agent Sexy Pants yeah, in it. Agent Sexy. A bland Agent oh, Sexy Oh, that is pants. one generic looking. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God, yeah. That is like, one yeah. algorithm it's, it's, of a man. He's been grown in a lab. This yeah, is the point I made yeah. in our review. He is the most generic looking. <laughs> but apparently that's Kay's type. Boy next door. It's Jock not quite American. Joel Kinnaman. It's not quite. Yeah, he's made in a lab. Yeah. yeah. With all due respect to that lovely actor. <laughs> but you mentioning the Night Manager is a really good point because the Night Manager is a one season show, or at least it was until it was recently announced there's going to be a second season. Right. And that's a show that. Well, I'll wait to judge the second season, but that is a show they're really going to have to shoehorn, you know, a second season reason for it to exist for me. Because considering the, uh, you know, it was based on a John le Carre novel, and as far as I'm aware, you know, it it stuck to it pretty closely. So, yeah, that's a good example of, 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 will that, is is there a point to doing another season of that show, apart from the fact that it was very successful and everyone in it was a massive star? Mm. But yeah, there you go. But I am going to start with 13 Reasons Why, James. Yes. 13 Reasons Why This Should Have Been a Single Season Show. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because that was a very... Quite, you know, I mean, obviously based on a on a, a novel, yeah. um, but a very kind of intricate, high concept thing about leaving these yeah. tapes, cassette tapes, to work out. It's a clever idea. Clever idea, and then to then have to kind of go back to that idea in a similar way in the second and third yeah. seasons was very contrived and slightly tortured. And the first season was quite hard to watch, oh, but yeah. I, I thought it was a good show, but it was difficult to watch. And then they dialed up the sexual violence, didn't they? In the yeah. subsequent seasons, I was like, no, I'm out. Sorry, yeah, done. Of course. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's oh, a good shout. That is a good shout. Mine's a bit of a controversial one, and I think will upset some people. Is it Friday Night Lights, a show which you may or may not have seen? Well, I haven't uh, seen any of that, so I could n- neither confirm nor deny. I should justify this by saying, although season two of Friday Night Lights is a bit of a wobble, it does redeem itself, so it should not have ended what, up one season. What murder? <laughs> yes, what murder? What are we talking about? Uh, I think Ted Lasso. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, that is controversial. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've thrown down a gun. Yeah. See, at, she, she goes at, away for months, yeah. comes back, guns wow. blazing. Emboldened. Emboldened. Dropping yeah. her bombs here. Now, to say that I love the talent involved in this show, I love, I love them all very much, but I feel like what that show was able to achieve in that first season was so... I mean, it was very much a product of its time. Like a lot of people loved it. It was like a tonic during a really awful, you know, time in everybody's lives. And then I just don't think it ever matched that magic. And I think if anything kind of undid some of the work with some of the creative choices that it made. Listen, I'm not happy to say it. It doesn't bring me joy. And I love what it's done for Brett Goldstein. I love what it's done for Hannah Waddingham. I love that it's putting these people on the, the map and they're off going and doing brilliant things off the back of it but I think the shine come off pretty quickly after season one and now I just don't know what it's doing 
I, I appreciate it's doing some noble stuff for like it is actually doing stuff for the greater good, which is kind of mm. a crazy thing to say for a TV show, you know, with the obviously showing up at the White House and talking about mental health. And I think it's doing an it's serving a big demographic in in that way. And some of the things it's doing in the third season are certainly interesting and will <laughs> raise some conversational points. But it just I think it, it made its point in the first season and then it it just they got a lot of creative power and money and they were like, oh Well, interesting you say that because they started shooting season two of Ted Lasso before season one had aired. Which always kind of threw me because I always I always wondered how much of a response to season one, season two was. Because season one is a half hour feel good comedy, right? Mm. And then season two is a forty five minute drama with yeah. comedic bits. Which is kind of something that's carried season over three to is season like three. a fifty five minute yeah, well, yeah, comedy. It's an hour long comedy drama something. something. Yeah. Yeah. It has um, changed. yeah, it has evolved over time and become a different it's- thing. It's changed. Evolved is a... <laughs> it's changed. But you have induced gasps and you've made me cough my yeah. guts out as well in shock. <laughs> at, but it's an interesting point. Yeah, it's a very interesting point. Did you read, by the way, I meant to mention this, the New York, New York Times article about why is Ted Lasso not popular in Britain? They did this massive... It is popular in Britain. Right, well, here's the thing, right? So they did this massive long article it was really huge it was like yeah. five thousand words or something and i dutifully read, i was like this is a kind of bizarre thing to bring up basically compared to the us where it has been by all accounts one of apple's biggest hits and is kind of constantly referred to in the culture yeah. so it feels like a big thing this writer who i, I can't remember who wrote it claimed that it's neither hit through culturally which i don't necessarily agree with i think I think a lot of people do talk about it and it has become a bit of a thing to the extent that Leeds United's ex-manager who they got rid of last season, the American guy, who was literally the real life Ted Lasso, you know, in some ways, was everyone was referred to him as the real life Ted Lasso because it's made mm. kind of cultural impact. So there's that. But then halfway down, five, after paragraphs and paragraphs, halfway down the article, it suddenly revealed that the reason why Ted Lasso is not popular in Britain is because hardly anyone's got Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah, this In comparison is... to America, it has, it's, it's still a very much a minority of Brits who've got it in their have and it's interesting how and th- and that's the point it was like, of course that not many people are watching it in comparison to loads of other things because it's just still a very very small and very early days even though it feels like it's been around for for years decades and all, we all from bang on about how we a lot do of the best shows are on Apple yeah. TV plus it's still yet it's still yet to really become a popular phenomenon itself that platform yeah according to this writer anyway so yeah so that's that's the reason really it's nothing to do with the quality or the of show, the show yeah. yeah that is uh that is yeah. misleading um but it's in it but you know yeah it's interesting that is an interesting point because they don't reveal their figures obviously no, we don't Apple, know how many yeah people. so this is all based on yeah like but i mean i guess i don't really know anyone who talks about having mm. Apple TV Plus, which is a no. real shame as we bang on about on this podcast they have so many good shows they have to i swear they launch Five new shows a day because oh, yeah. we, well, we obviously get press releases through, don't we? And I'm like, another one. They've another stepped one. it up because obviously the whole thing with Apple was is that they've got quality over quantity, like great shows, but don't mm. have that many of them. They have stepped up the output, mm. so yeah. you're right. There are new ones very regularly, but it still feels like in terms of sheer volume because they don't have the back catalogue, do they? They don't have the amount yeah. Netflix or Disney have, you know, right. in their archives. Um, yeah, it feels. I think they. It feels like they're going for a one new big new show every fortnight at least. Yeah, sometimes and one then or just two. so much and everything is. I had to for work watch something called Jane the other day about an explorer. A little girl wants to be an explorer, like a children's show. It's such an expensive looking show. Like, I could not believe <laughs> oh, I was yeah, watching. It was like watching Planet Earth, right? But yeah. like a, a children's show mm. with like little CGI monkeys, crazy. Right. 
I think there. I, I still think it's uh, you know it's such a good. It's have so much good stuff that I'm not going to worry too much about how many people have got subscribers. And, and and you know, there's these figures were from someone else and not Apple itself. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, that is it's 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 quite fascinating. But anyway, I've strayed away from the question. You have, yeah. which is <laughs> go on. What's your, what your what have you got? I'm going to have a list. Obviously, of you do. I have a list. Yeah. Uh, Thirteen reasons why I was on that okay. list. But oftentimes with me, it shows that you feel like. Certainly older shows, certainly network shows, they were commissioned with a clever idea hmm. and they got picked up yeah. and then they got renewed and they were perhaps unprepared for being renewed and the ideas didn't stretch to that. So I always think 24 is an interesting one. So the first season of 24, the first 12 episodes, great. Right. And the second 12 episodes just go off a cliff. Like, it just becomes nonsense. And 24 is how it had its ups and downs. So actually, I don't think 24 is one of those ones where it probably should have ended before it did. But I don't think it's one of the ones that should only have had one season. Because actually, I think that formula worked. However, Heroes, oh yeah, which was a great oh, idea, wow. brilliantly executed. Yeah. Yeah. And that first season works. And then nothing they did afterwards, whether it be the latest season or whether it be Heroes Reborn, none of that. Tim Kring was never able to recapture what he kind of kindled with that first. But it was, so, I mean, it was the clarity of the, the idea was to save the cheerleader, save the world. What does that mean? We don't fucking know, but it sounds brilliant. You yeah. know, like that, that definitely yeah. they should have just stopped because yeah. clearly they weren't able to, to, to deliver on that. Wayward Pines, remember Wayward Pines with Matt yeah, Dillon? Of course, yeah. Great first season. And then they did a season two, except without Matt Dillon because like he dies in between season one and season oh, two. God. And then yeah. they just do this other stuff, and you're just like, "What is this rubbish?" Like it's 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 the the TV equivalent of you know how and, and Disney do this quite a lot, where they have a big screen release and then they do a straight to video sequel. Like that's what season two of Wayward Pines is. <laughs> it's just absolute bollocks. Mm. Um, Prison Break, one of the worst offenders, oh, the yeah. worst offenders, because yeah. Prison Break season one again, really simple premise. He needs to break out of a fucking prison. Season two, he's not in prison. So we've got to find something to do with this show called Prison Break. So they have him like breaking into somewhere and then they get arrested and they end up in a, in a prison in Manila and they've got to break out of there. And you're like, oh, how many prisons? How many breaks? What is this absolute <laughs> rubbish? The first idea that he goes into prison and he's got all the clues tattooed on his body. That's a great idea. Mm. Just stop. They got out. They got away. Brilliant. Be done with it. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned um, Twin Peaks yet. Is that on your list? Well, no, well, so I don't mind Twin Peaks season two. Uh, okay. I don't love it. It's and not it's as good pretty, as the first season, yeah. but Twin Peaks season two, the return, I hate. Oh, we yeah. know that. <laughs> but, but I don't mind season two. Okay. There are those who feel that season two is a big drop. It is. Yeah. It is. Not as big a drop as the return, but it is, uh, well, it, it is a drop. Well, I would question that. We've, yeah, I know. I know that yeah. the return has its following. I know people Indeed. love it. I, I cannot abide it, but that's just me. Other ones, I would say, I mean, look, you could argue for True Detective. Yes, that's on my list, yeah. Yeah. I right. would argue for True Detective. <laughs> I yeah. can't remember anything about that show beyond the first season. So the that's probably for the second best. season was famously terrible. Uh, yeah. An amalgamation of lots of stories that didn't really vaguely even linked, weren't they? Like, yeah. remember, and then it was the third season was yeah. kind of a return yeah. to form a yeah. bit, but not. No and Jodie Foster, you know. Oh, I'm, so, I'm up for Jodie Foster yeah. in season four, mm. yeah, for sure. So I will watch it, despite the fact that obviously season one was by far and away the yes. best and completely brilliant. It was. Time is a flat circle. Yes. Um, Big Little Lies is something I yes. think a lot of people would say. I again, I liked season two of Big Little yeah. Lies. I had no problem with so it. It I, wasn't yeah. necessary, no. but I liked it. Yeah, yeah. Meryl um, Streep flinging that ice cream. Or that's did she right. get ice cream flung at her? Which was it? Uh, well, uh, there's definitely an ice cream yeah, incident. There's definitely an ice cream Meryl Streep incident. <laughs> yeah. uh, Westworld. A lot of people said <laughs> yes. And again, I think there's some truth to that. I enjoyed the later seasons of Westworld, but it, again, is that the first season has a 
clarity to it. It has a very core concept. And it seems to, it, you know, it's when they come out with different parks, you've got like Japan World, you've got all these different things. It, it got it got bigger. The, the tale yeah. grows in the telling and maybe becomes a bit and unwieldy. it didn't really have anything else to say. Did it about, you know, the whole, it, it, it said what it needed to say about artificial intelligence and robots or whatever and exploit humans exploiting these yeah. things. In the in that first season, it's like you just banged on about it relentlessly more in kind of ever ever more contrived and confusing ways with five thousand multiple timelines and flashbacks and flash forwards and flashes sideways. Yeah, it was irritating. Yeah, it, it probably wasn't necessary. And then, of course, the correct answer to this whole thing, <laughs> which is killing Eve. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would defend. I would defend. I mean, that season two had some great episodes. It didn't cohere. No. But your face, James's face, he's got, he's got his. <laughs> I pity you. Yeah, I, I pity, pity you. Your wrong opinion. Yeah, your wrongness. <laughs> um, and there, there were there were good episodes smattered throughout. It's four, was it four series? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, I definitely four, didn't make it to the end. So. Jesus. Um, but yeah, I get. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm not. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Any others you would like to put forward? No, of course you've covered it in your extensive well, list. The only one I would do for personal reasons and not quality reasons is Glow, because the end of Glow season two was absolutely devastating, and we got absolutely no resolution. So if I could just take uh, that whole episode, that whole season back, <laughs> and not have it end on this like horrible, embittered final note, then I would take it back for that reason. So, so it doesn't end on a low. So it doesn't end on a low. I mean, it didn't end on a high in the second and the first season, but it ends like raw and sad for the second season. And then, obviously, we just never got, um, we just never got the goodbye we wanted. I'm just back talking about go again, and I just that's back fine. On it's it. good. It's good that you're on brand. I like this. It's <sighs> exciting. Well, that was our listener question. If you would like your question answered, do send it in to us, and you can do so via to primary methods either via dm on the social media at pilot tv pod on twitter or instagram or to me directly at james c dyer on instagram and we'll pick them up there right i think it's time for this week's guest what do you say boydie 100 percent. let's do this jack farthing appears in this week's show rain dogs which we'll hear about a little bit later on and he plays selby a hedonistic louche who's just out of prison for assault and finds himself back in the orbit of daisy may cooper's recently evicted costello and her young daughter now boydie met up with jack very recently to talk all about rain dogs thanks for joining us on the pilot tv podcast um your this character of Selby in Rain Dogs is quite a piece of work, isn't he? Um, <laughs> he, I mean, I'm knowing your career, recent career, going back to Polo, etc. It feels like even you've played a lot of borderline psychotic people, or quite a few anyway. But this guy, I feel like, takes the biscuit in a whole new way. I'm not sure I've ever seen anyone quite like him um, on TV before. What, what was your reaction to him when you first? read the scripts and was heard about the character that's really cool that you felt like that's how i felt too i think reading it um for sure he is uh yeah he's one of those people where the kind of the ceiling is off i think and you know you feel like he could fly in any direction which is obviously massively appealing to any actor i think that sense of freedom and surprise and intrigue and like you know as the series goes on you peel more layers with them all and you you find out much more about him um but he's an yeah he's an extraordinary creature who is um you know damaged and struggling but covering with this performative kind of bravado and uh 
Yeah, I think it's like he's kind of motivated by an inability to express lots of the stuff that's in him, which makes him sort of extraordinary. Did um did you have lots of questions for Cash Carraway, the writer, when you were um kind of thinking about taking the role, etc.? Because he is in one of he's kind of a mysterious figure. We know we kind of see his behaviour, and we know there must be some kind of kind of trauma or whatever, some reason for it. But that's held away from us to some extent, isn't it? We don't really know. He's a bit of a mystery in that sense, I feel. Yeah, totally. I mean, I definitely had questions, not because of a, a lack of clarity in the scripts. Cash's scripts are so vivid and and striking that you read them and you, you know, he really leapt off the page at me, as I think all the characters did. Um, but I had questions because he's so complicated and because there's so much to him. So, yeah, it was a process of peeling it back. When we started, I think we only had the first two scripts. so we didn't know where it would you know land eventually but uh we'd obviously spoken about all that um even if we hadn't seen full proper scripts and lots of beautifully detailed you know biographies that cash written were sent around and mm-hmm. and, and and lovely in-depth conversations with both our directors and with cash and with producers and everyone you know everyone was really keen i think to like pick really deeply into these people because it is a character-led piece and mm. and it's the depth and the complexity of those characters that hopefully will keep people interested yeah i mean as well as the, the character himself there are this relationship he has with costello played by daisy may cooper he's also i don't think i've ever seen anything like that before either yeah like it's a twisted it's a kind of sick and twisted thing, isn't it? Um, a, is it actually fun to play those big scenes where you're both going at it t- to each other and kind of ruining each other's lives as for our, for our, you know, entertainment or whatever, however you want to put it? Is it fun to film those scenes? It is fun when you're doing it with someone like Daisy and when you're supported by a bunch of people who's, you know, who you trust and you think like we're making something interesting here. Um, they they have a lot of fun together. You know, they are magnetically drawn to each other because of this weird soulmate cosmic collision that they have even though they come from totally different places they are they they are like they have a magnetic attraction and so they do have this kind of lightning hot burning fun together but of course there's a great deal of pain and struggle and strife and anger and violence and difficulty that they face too and it is obviously you know it's a definitively toxic relationship that they have and and i've always felt that it's it's something you know where they they love it they love each other so much they hate each other it's like it's you you are so dependent on someone that you resent them particularly i think from selby's perspective he is so dependent on receiving love from from costello and iris that he can't bear them because he can't be without them so it is a kind of furious love um which which i totally understood it doesn't feel like a foreign thing um, but i agree with you that i'm not sure i've seen it presented in the way that it is here ever no, no, it, feel, it feels completely um, different, yeah, I think. Mm. Um, and it, I think I guess part of that is, is how far you go, how far the two of you go in your, in your, in the, it's kind of outdoing each other in terms of cruelty to each yeah. other. I mean, yeah. I'm going to mention, all I'm going to say is the bath scene in the... Yeah, yeah, that was really horrible. <laughs> have, you seen that, it, have you seen it all? Have, I've seen them the first six, yeah. Oh, great, okay, first, yeah, yeah, great. So you have a sense as to how oh, far gotcha. yeah. yeah, good. Yeah, good. Um, no, it does go far. It does go further than you might expect. Um, but that is the nature of who they are, you know, for sure. They are people of extremes. Uh, that bar scene was good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's weird because the, the way, from, particularly from Selby's perspective, a lot of the, 
the difficult, the bad behavior is from such a place of pain with him. You know, it's, it's not really from a vindictive enjoyment. It's, it's that there's no other way of making her see how he's feeling. Those, the, 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 the lowest points of their struggles and the kind of cruelest they are to each other. It was always filled with the kind of sadness that it's not working between them. So they weren't like joyful, joyful times, but you know, I think Cash has always been very clear. And, and, and this is how we felt too, that the, the point of this show is that there is always comedy in darkness. That's how these people survive. You know, Selby and Costello make each other laugh. Like they, they do, they really do make each other laugh in, in all the pain, in all the struggle. They really do. And, and I, and I hope that's what this show has too, that for all its bleakness and, and its, truth is confronting you know truth it it also just i hope makes you laugh and makes you see that there is joy and spirit as well as struggle yeah it is i thought it is it is very funny but i think you do you think maybe you have to have a certain kind of particular kind of sense of humor i wonder whether you know i um, for example there's a scene with you and the old actor guy in the car yeah. that i felt really funny partly yeah, his performance yeah. is fantastic yeah he's wonderful. Um, yeah but people, people might find it. Other people might. Do you know, I think it might be a specific type of sense of humour that people will appreciate. Yeah, you, you might be right. You, I, I sort of. My suspicion is that actually everyone has that, but they just maybe suppress it. Mm. <laughs> that there is that kind of. It's a difficult humour. It's things that you're not really taught to laugh at, maybe, or told you can laugh at. But, but there is an instinctive reaction to things like that. That it is kind of humorous even if it's bleakly humorous and and uh you know it's it's been on a little bit in the states so far and and you know there are definitely people who would have thought that it was an english sensibility comically but like yeah. that just hasn't seemed to be the case at all and it's been it's been wonderfully received for its you know for its comedy as well as its truth over there so like i feel like there is a there is something in it that is an innately understandable thing it's just it's just people who you know, complicated people who who behave surprisingly. I guess. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, did you know? Did you know Daisy May Cooper's work? Did you had you had you watched her stuff when before you um, got the role before you acted with her? Yeah, for sure. I had. I'd watched This Country. Well, I've now watched Am I Being a Reasonable, which I think is wonderful as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I did. I knew. I absolutely did, and was was thrilled at the idea that she was doing this because it's something different like it really does feel like something different obviously we know that daisy is exceptionally talented um at what we've seen her do so far but i, I feel like this is showing something different for her and and it's you know it's a very it's like a deeply dramatic vulnerable role as well as it is using all of her fantastic comedy expertise you know um so so i was i was thrilled that, that we would be doing something together i feel like you know, they're such different people. All of the characters are so different, mm. and and somehow you put them together, and they're like they fizz together. Um, but yeah, we had a wonderful time doing it. We we got on really well, and she's she's just a she's a beautiful person to work with. She she doesn't take herself seriously, but she takes the work incredibly seriously, and so that's the kind of perfect combination. Yeah, like yeah, it's interesting because because I, I feel it does feel like the most dramatic 
um, work she's done. Like she, mm. you, you really go to some dark places. In fact, Selby particularly pushes her to, yeah. some, to those darkest places often. Yeah. Um, so, but she's still having fun. Like she's still, I mean, she is an incredibly um, entertaining person to be with. Yeah, I've interviewed her a couple Definitely. of times. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, she's holding the show as well. She was in every day. She's working incredibly hard and is exhausted, but completely buoyed it with, uh, with humor, as you would expect. And, um, and even on those, like, you know, the hardest, hardest days when, you know, of course she's like looking after herself and finding space to, you know, just take herself off and stay where she needs to stay for those scenes. Even then, like, she just, she's a person who operates with huge warps. And, um, so when you have someone like that leading a show, it really, it makes it a lovely place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And Selby is such a big character, isn't he? I wonder whether, did you find that the, the kind of um, level, if you like, you're going to play him at it from the start? Or is it there in the script how big he's going to get? And, you know, because he is, he, it would be bizarre to kind of underplay him, wouldn't it? Because he is such a yeah. huge figure. Yeah, you're right. He is. And he's performative as well, which is like, so the volume is up, you know. Um, he is big. Uh, I think that was there on the page. I mean, it all is quite big. It's quite kind of vibrant and loud and vivid. And like that is, and the way that they talk is so kind of, I don't know, it's just brilliantly, I guess vivid is the word. Mm. But yeah, no, I, I don't think I, I don't think I wrestled around too much. He felt pretty clear to me. And, and obviously we had a week's, you know, a few weeks of talking about it all before we started and trying to make sure we were on the same page and Cash's scripts have got, they're full of of stylistic references and character references and music references and you know books these characters might be reading and so on and and so you really do i think having read them you come out with a quite clear sense as to who they are and um and i think with selby it was a case of just really not holding back you know allowing him to be as big and as as, as brash as he wanted in the knowledge that there will be moments of real quiet and silence as well, where he is alone in a room or when he's with Iris. And, you know, there, there are, there are moments I hope when you see him without his kind of colorful hats on or his bravado. Mm. Yeah. Cause he does have moments of tenderness, particularly with Iris, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Uh, which th that, that is a key, I think. I mean, she's at Fleur Tajian is mm. fantastic. Uh, she is. What was it like acting with her? She's, Kind of so natural as a as a as a young woman. It's incredible. She's incredible. She'd never done anything before. She's like she never this is her first job, and she was just like you know wonderful. She's wise to a terrifying extent. She's like so mature and uh, knew exactly what was being asked of her and how to achieve it. And our directors were wonderful with her, and she just really like leapt into relationships with 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 me and with daisy and with ronke you know all of these people that she needed to kind of fabricate this old relationship with and she just leapt into it and jumped and uh and i hope she you know was you know she felt looked after and had a lovely time she was obviously part of the job of doing a show like this with someone of her age is about protecting her from a lot of it as well and so that was clearly on everyone's mind and and um but really she was uh she was amazing and 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 I, I have said it before but like i really feel like sometimes when you see kids in shows you feel like what they're performing is like an amalgamation of notes and directions mm -hmm. and with her i really feel like she's got something that's very her very unique and powerful and authentic and when she when she tells costello something i really believe that it's coming from from yeah. within her it's like it just i really feel like she's nailed it 
Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. I was very excited that um, that Selby is a Nick Lowe fan. Um, yeah, and, <laughs> which is something you don't get very often. I know, as well, a Nick Lowe fan who likes to sing as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How would that, were you? Were you aware of Nick Lowe? Were you a fan of his work? Did you know he was going to keep part in? Yeah, I mean, I was aware of that tune. I wasn't aware of him. I know right. I'm much more. I mean, Cash is so musically led. I think I don't know if she writes to music, but like her scripts are full of music full of specific music and Nick Lowe was in there from the start. It was a very, it was, you know, it was a tune that they had to get and they did get it. Um, I love that. I love that sequence though, where that, you know, comes out without sort of saying what happens, but yeah. um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, she has, Cash has really led me to lots of, to lots of music I didn't know about, to be honest. And uh, I think it's really, it, it was really, it's really just part of her style um so yeah lots of things in there like the replacements like warren zevon like you know just just very there was some amazing music that's you know as ever you can't always get it all so there are some things that were in the first drafts that aren't in the in the final show right right but it was always like brilliant music yeah it's fantastic yeah and i guess of all the people to play your mother um i'm saying anna chancellor is the dream is the dream yes how was that for you how was working with them it was magic. She's she's wonderful. She is wonderful, and just so perfect for that. Um, it's obviously I have a very difficult relationship with Selby. Has a very difficult relationship with his mother, and and uh, Anna is so lovely and warm and funny that um, you need to resist just like <laughs> enjoying yeah. her too much. <laughs> but uh, no, she was a complete complete joy. As was, you know, Aid Edmondson, who plays Lenny, and you know, just like an and just amazing, amazing people who, you know, all of us have like watched and admired for a long yeah. time. It's beautiful to have them come in and lend their expertise. Yeah, the Aid Edmondson scenes with with him and uh, and Daisy are fantastic. Yeah, did so you, good. Did, presumably, you're reading those in the script, but when you see them, that because you're not necessarily in many of those well the ones one that i've seen did, well, yeah it must have been fantastic to watch those come to fruition yeah it really is because you know aid has something very particular he's got such a he's got such a warmth and such um a soulful kind of twinkle that it like you know lenny was wonderful on the page but you see him do it and it's like oh my god it makes total sense you see a life lived in him and you see why costello and him have this bond and and um yeah, I think he's a, it's a beautiful character and Aid is obviously a wonderful, wonderful actor. Um, and there's lovely stuff later on as well. That, so I get to spend mm. a little bit more time with him, which is oh, nice. Right, right. But uh, yeah, he, he was obviously just brilliant. Um, I read one American review of the show which said, and I quote, Rain Dogs is the last of us with poverty instead of mushroom zombies. Wow. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> wow, is it? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Have you seen The Last of Us, first of all? I have, I have. Right, right. Yes. That is quite right. a description, isn't it? What, what, what's your take? I don't know. What are they saying? Are they saying it's as kind of like post-apocalyptic? I well, <laughs> maybe. Um, I mean, listen, if we capture anything like the kind of addictive excitement of that show, then that's a joy. Yeah, maybe it is. Although I don't think, I mean, I don't think, you know, that those mushrooms in that show, are, they're pretty... Um, there's no way out, is there? Once you've once, no. once you've been bit, you're done. I think yeah. the show is about maybe the possibility of of traveling beyond beyond those mushrooms. 
yeah that's a good point something something else yeah. yeah 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 but what is true is that the show the, the way the show touches on poverty and and homelessness and you know all of that is again is feels completely uh unusual and unlike anything else on tv um yeah. what did you make of that element of it that, that is it is as, among many other things it's a social commentary it feels like it's a social commentary yeah well that's great i'm glad you know i think uh, I agree with you. Uh, I think, you know, Cassia said from the beginning that she really didn't want to make something that felt pitying, that felt like it was, um, I don't know, sentimentalizing or, or just saying, Oh, how difficult, you know, she, she wanted to make something that was about vibrancy and joy and spirit and humor. Uh, and so she was always sure that the show would, you know, have a bit of gloss to it and have a bit of punk to it and a bit of, you know, a, a just, just something, something more vivid and, and joyful so i hope that's what i hope that's what it has i mean i think uh, obviously this is it's a big part of the show but i don't think it it isn't a show like about poverty so much i feel like it is more about this mother being a single mother in those circumstances with all the difficulties that they present but it's about her struggles and her life and the people that she surrounds, surrounds herself with so yeah it takes obviously she's living below the poverty line and that is her that is the context but i think it's a show about the people really the individuals yeah. more than that kind of that label yeah oh that's true yeah for sure um i was thinking about your you played prince charles in the spencer um of course so you have do you does that mean I mean you have kind of a more are you interested more interested in him as a figure you know going in your in in the world as you might have been if you hadn't have played him in in a in a very interesting film yeah i think i de- i think i definitely am I, I think whatever you work you know when you work on something that intensely for a period of time you're obviously you're then drawn to it all the time it's like when you it's like that thing when you someone mentions something and then you feel like you're seeing it everywhere. I feel like you're drawn. You're you're. I'm definitely drawn to. I will see a picture of him and I will look at it in a different way now, mm. or I will read a quote and I will maybe think about it in a different way. I don't know how long that lasts, but certainly, certainly for now, yeah. I, I obviously dug tried to dig very deeply uh, and and find find something you know true beyond the way that he is reported on. So, so yeah, inevitably, my opinion of him changes. I guess I think that's it's just like a process of deepening empathy, isn't it? You know, mm. you learn about anyone, you whoever they are, you learn about them more and more. You feel closer to them in a weird way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and obviously that film was written by Stephen Knight. Do you are you, are you do you keep up with Stephen? I mean, he's just great expectations. Just uh, I know which I haven't night. seen yet. Oh, I okay. know, I know, but um, I mean, it's hard to keep up with Stephen Knight. It is. It's like his output is extraordinary, unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's yeah. like a full time job to watch all of his shows. Yeah, but, um, but I'm a huge fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've liked what he's done for a long time, and I will chase him. I will yeah. chase him forever to try and keep being in his in his work i think he's obviously incredibly talented and just like unbelievably quick and prolific i cannot, yeah. I yeah. cannot get my head around the speed and the quality that goes with it it's sort of yeah amazing i spoke to i met him last week at, at the launch of Brexit Station. he himself oh, wow. completely admitted how ridiculously um prolific he is and he, he's aware <laughs> of how that's <laughs> like insane yeah yeah i'm glad he knows yeah yeah completely yeah <laughs> Um, Rain Dogs, is it without spoiling what happens in the end of this series? Is it possibly returning? Do you think a return? Uh, I don't think we know that, to be honest. It it will, as ever, depend on you know how many people yeah. want to watch it. I mean, yeah. uh, so far the the response has been lovely. Um, so you've got to hope that continues. But yeah, yeah, that's sort of out of our hands. We'll sure. see. Sure. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking. It's it's a phenomenal um, show, I have to say. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Lloyd. Cheers. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dad. Pleasure. That was Jack Farthing, and I think it's time. 
for the news, and obviously there has to be news beyond the night agent. Boydie, what have you got for us? Well, uh, a lot of people alerted me to this uh, news, or is it, uh, during the week, when it was revealed that Curb Your Enthusiasm may be coming to an end Mm. after 12 seasons, after two producers hinted on social media that they had wrapped production on the series for good. In a now-deleted tweet, producer John Heyman said the crew finished shooting the last scene of the last episode of the final season. What makes me laugh about that statement is variety describes it as a hint <laughs> how much more definitive can you be the last scene yeah. of the last episode of the final season <laughs> that's a quite a strong hint that's it yeah then my friend bob whitey also tweeted t- tweeted first day march 1998 last day question mark march 27th 2023 these 25 years have flown by thank you larry david again oh, quite a definitive yeah, that's quite a, a definitive statement by robert yd if it is the end we'll have to accept it it's been 12 i'll get over it you'll get over it particularly it's been 12 glorious glorious seasons of yeah. excruciating comedy james's favorite genre <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm, the good news to me is I can't wait to see the new season. You know, yeah, I'm fantastic yeah, yeah. excited about the new season. So just having ten new episodes, and I, I'll cope. There was a massive gap between two of the seasons, so you got, I think I got used to a bit having life without it in that in that huge gap. So I'll deal with the fact that it's going, but it seems pretty clear that this will be the end of mm. Curb. Wow, deal with it, James. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to come to terms with that fact. Uh, it will not be the end, however, of You on Netflix, no. which has been yes. officially renewed now for season five, which is not something that we knew about at all. And no. it was in no way something that Penn Badgley told you in the interview and I then had to cut out because I hadn't officially announced it. Yeah. So so that's good to know. Yeah, I did gratuitously uh, ask Penn Badgley about the potential fifth season, <laughs> talking about the ending of the fourth where there is in New York, with yep. spoiler alert. Um, and uh, he kind of answered it quite fully and it was like no you can't give that in because yeah, can't give that in because it hasn't been I should put it back now I should yeah. wreck on it and put it back yeah. in the interview that would be exciting that's part of our you spoiler um, special but yes bully for you bully for, bully for you, for you. I good. need to go back and watch it Um, I, I watched a few episodes of the fourth season and just didn't do it did I just didn't finish it so no, I will fair enough I'll go back to it uh, there's White Lotus news yes yeah. although he did Speaking about prematurely announcing things, mm. he did. Mike White did send a tweet to a I forget the name of the journalist, but a journalist who's like backed White Lotus an awful lot. And in like January, Mike White sent him a video on Twitter from his very public Twitter account saying, "Thanks so much for your support." Sending you a video from Thailand to say thank you so much and hopefully see you very soon. So if that. If you couldn't take away from that, he was in fucking Thailand doing Thailand stuff. <laughs> yeah. So it's exciting. I'm interested to see what themes they're going to go with. There's been talk of religion, which could be interesting, I guess. Don't really... That's definitely... I mean, nothing's really off, off topic with him. And isn't there rumours of Danny DeVito? Did I read that? Taking part? Oh, is there really? I mean, the, I the casting rumours are going to run rampant, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. What we do know, though, is he has said he would like to bring characters back right. from the first two seasons, which I would, I would really like to see in some shape or form. Yeah, Danny DeVito was spotted with Mike White um, so people have slightly jumped to that conclusion. I, but... I mean, that would be absolutely yeah, fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, that, if that was true. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's really, really thrilling. Yeah, I can see. I can see you um, 
doing the show from Thailand. Well, I did finally. This is quite a point. St- I've got a bit of a point story, guys. Ooh. I was at the uh, succession. Um, we did a, a succession VIP event two weeks ago. By the time we the episode comes out, this episode comes out off pilot. I was chatting with someone from HBO there, and they half jokingly said, "Oh, we'll have to send you out to you. the next location," which you know where this was before the announcement. Yeah. So yeah, maybe. Go and hang out with the gap year kids. It's got to happen. Yeah, <laughs> definitely going to happen. Um, but yeah, would not would not tell me it's a little little trip to Thailand. No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I am not surprised at all. That's not obviously the strangest thing that's happened this week. Uh, did you see the X Files reboot? Yes, <laughs> yes. Ryan Coogler. Yes, maybe rebooting the X Files according to Chris Carter. And apparently, this was this was not supposed to be announced yet. And Chris Carter just he just blabbed just it on the podcast or something. It. Yeah, and yeah. everyone yeah. just didn't care anymore. No, no, no one gives a shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's mad. I mean, it'd be great if it's true. Absolutely, but I can it think would of be few, few better people. To, yeah, complete to, reboot. So I guess a yeah. new Mulder or Mulder adjacent character, and a new Scully or new Scully adjacent character. Yeah. And then how would it work? But then would they go for? Presumably, they wouldn't go for a quite such a monster of the week type format. Maybe it would be more. You know, serialized. Well, you hope. You would hope. So you. But then, weirdly, like, in, like going back previously in the X Files, this, these kind of serialized conspiracy stuff is, frankly, the weakest stuff, if I'm honest with you, because yeah. it doesn't make any sense. No. It doesn't coalesce <laughs> at all. But then maybe this time they'll be like, okay, guys, guys, right, let's get together. Let's talk bees. Let's talk black oil. Let's talk shapeshifters. Let's work out what the fuck this show is about <laughs> before we actually start. Do you, I saw this story, and, I, I, uh, and it's reminding me of how um, that whole reboot of the X Files, which happened, right? Yes, with which is seasons ten, eleven, yeah. and twelve. I want to say, yeah, which was shown on Channel Five here. I seem to remember they weren't great, and I remember going to the launch of it and the screening of the first episode and being quite excited, but they weren't great. And it almost had no cultural, you know that. Awful phrase, punch through, or whatever people say. People say about <laughs> Avatar, your yeah. favourite film of all time. But in that case, it really didn't, did it? It somehow just, I don't know whether it was because it was on Channel 5 here or what. It just mm. never, and I was a huge fan of the X-Files in, in, in its prop. In you its and the rest of us, boy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, I don't know if Beth was. Oh, I've just got a nice song playing in my head right now. Oh, yes, yes. I don't know. I don't know anything about X-Files. You, hang on, hang on. <laughs> what? Is this an age thing? Did you miss it? Like, what happened? How have no, you not, not watched the X-Files? My, my partner watched it all again during lockdown. He oh, was, wow. he what, and you just went in the other room? I went in the other room and um, was worse off for it because the sounds <laughs> without seeing <laughs> things. It, you would be like, I'd be trying to work and you just hear, oh my God, the skin's coming off his face. <laughs> or you just hear like, Bones crunching and then like animal noises. It's just like the sound designer is disgusting. And then Cher singing. <laughs> sure. A, f- a famous, uh, famous uh, episode of that, which has uh, has Cher in it, walking in Memphis What's specifically, sing- singing like live. Uh, it's it's a it's a slight it's postmodern Prometheus. It's a it's a slightly mad episode, but it does involve a Cher concert at the end. Yeah. Oh, amazing! Yeah, they had some they had some very wacky episodes of the X Files. I did watch one with Reese Darby in it that was really fun. Mm. Just the one episode, but yeah, this this could maybe watch it. I don't know. Okay, well, I, I look forward to seeing Ryan Coogler's X-Files. Yeah. That should be fun. Mm. Uh, anything else you would like to talk about? Did you see these? I, I'm going to bring this up. It's an interesting topic. Uh, Jennifer Aniston's been doing press for uh, Murder Mystery 2. 
which obviously uh, we're all, and not just Chris. Um, we reviewed it on the Empire Podcast. Did you just review it? Oh, yeah. uh, don't spoil yeah. it. I want to. I'll, I'll listen to that. Um, I'm going to bed. <laughs> but I am genuinely excited as, <laughs> about Murder Mystery Two. I'm a huge fan of Murder <laughs> Mystery One. Yes. You're not a Sandman fan, I are you? Absolutely, hundred oh, percent. Total. Adam Sandler is a legend. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. He has done four good films. No, no. We, let's not get into that. But we get into this because obviously it also starts Jennifer Aniston talking of absolute legends and during the press in- interviews she talked about how friends now is problematic and how it's tricky you couldn't create it now in the same you know this old kind of hoary subject of you know wokeness etc but she does say she does say something like um, there's a whole generation of people kids who are now going back to episodes of friends and find them offensive yeah, yeah. now i don't know how many there are of people who find it offensive I did like, I've asked quite a few young people. Do you think she means just people on Twitter? I think she partly means people on Twitter. And I think there's just this general sense that, oh, everyone's noticed the politically incorrect, the, the, the less than diverse casting, etc. Yeah. of that show, obviously. And there's, there's gay panic and in there's it gay and all sorts jokes, of stuff. Yeah. etc. of course. But a bit like Seinfeld and all the, those shows from that era... Of course, there's stuff. I think like kids are mature enough to realise it was a, it's a product of that era, and I don't yeah. think they are offended. Yeah, you can't yeah. apply a modern framework. No. Exactly. And I, I've literally though. asked loads of people. I know niece, my niece and nephew love Friends. Mm. Um, you know, in their early twenties, loads of people people in the office love Friends. Who are you know younger than me? Most people look at it younger than me. Believe it or not, <laughs> and they're not offended by the slightest. I think this is general. Just I think people can completely understand it. Yeah, and I they think- still love it. That's yeah. the bottom line. It's still, let's not forget, biggest, hugest thing on Netflix, you know, etc. It's a massive thing. People yeah. love it. Yeah. So I think and she's got you the think she's wrong. Aniston. I mean, I think it's probably not compatible with modern Gen Z values, definitely. Uh, and I think it probably does great in some aspects. But it's, as you say, it's like it's take, taking it out of its temporal context, I don't think really works. By that logic, you know, God knows what they make of fucking faulty towers. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, <sighs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. People know people 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 know how to deal with these things. Yeah. I'm gonna ask Beth, have you seen the Barry trailer? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh it's dark. <laughs> it's dirty. Prison based. Prison based yeah. for the most part. Although obviously we get um to follow the characters who aren't in prison as well. Jean Cousineau, no Hank. Just a, a wonderful, delightful array of people. Uh I think it's gonna be very dark, it's gonna be very gritty and sometimes very funny yeah, it's gonna be wait. barry yeah it's gonna be my sweet barry your sweet barry you and do i love your firm it's gonna be it'll be on sky atlantic on monday the 17th of april there you go exciting times yeah exciting times indeed do you have any more news i'm going to mention someone oh, who okay. james you probably had absolutely no cultural awareness of hmm. but it was a massive tv legend and that is paul o'grady who passed away this week. I do know who that is. Yeah. He was an absolute legend. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, as TV giants of television, British television, he should be mentioned. I interviewed him a few times back in the day. He was an, always an incredible delight to interview. But for me, one of the most interesting things about him was he was an absolutely fierce 
socialist working class opponent of the Tories. Yeah. And if you look up, he did an incredible rant one time on his own. He had his own chat show, his own entertainment show on ITV, primetime ITV. Imagine this. And he did this incredible rant right in the middle of, you know, the George Osborne era of, mm. of, of uh, what's that word? <laughs> God. Government? No. Austerity. <laughs> oh, right. In that, <laughs> in that George Osborne, Osborne period of austerity, yeah. which affected people in a horrendous way. And he had this incredible rant about on live television, bold, daring rant. Mm. And that's like, on top of all the other achievements he's, he's has when it comes to LGBTQ plus people, etc. Yeah. Um, that for me, is one of his greatest achievements. But he's an absolute legend, yeah. I just thought we should acknowledge that. Indeed. I do love it. So a lovely tweet that he um, about him saying that he insisted jobs for his yes. shows were advertised at job centres. Yeah, fantastic. So that anybody yeah. could apply and, and the person tweeting said it was made the shows better. Yeah, what an incredible thing to do. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, brilliant. Really yeah. great. Yeah. Really great guy. Big loss. Yeah. 67, I believe he was. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, too Terrible. Young. Totally unexpected, yeah. 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 And finally, Kay and I went to the Royal Television Society Awards this week. I was going to ask you about this and yes. completely forgot. Yes. We should probably talk about this. Yeah. Who won? Um, there were some really good people, actually. Kate Winslet won um, Best Actress for um, I Am Ruth, the brilliant I Am Ruth, you know, the 90 minutes, which you would probably never seen because you mm. won't be able to cope with it. Well, I've, I've watched the rest of the I Am series, which I really, really enjoy, but you you warned me off that one because you said it would be too traumatic. I've actually watched some of it. I haven't okay. watched all of it, but oh, I, okay. the performances are fantastic. Yeah. But yes, it's it's perhaps a little bit too uh, brutal. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bet's that to uh, Kit Connor for Heartstopper, which I think was maybe a slight surprise, but he's fantastic in it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely brilliant. Um, the Traitors won loads of awards, we thrilled <laughs> to know, um, including Best, whatever it was, Features Show or whatever. Derry Girls won two. Brilliantly, oh, yeah. Lisa McGee won Best Writer, I think, and it won Best Comedy. Um, Sherwood won Best Drama, uh, which I was the, ju the jury chair for. But one of the best things about the whole thing was that Sarah Lancashire won an Outstanding Achievement Award for her whole career, and she was there. She gave a brilliant speech, Aww. and she does very, very, very rarely does she do like public appearances like that yeah. or interviews or anything. Yeah, and she hates watching herself. She talked about how she literally and and. And when they showed the clips, they showed clips of her career, and she literally was like put, covering her eyes. She cannot watch herself to that extent. So she never watches no, herself? No, never. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, but she gave a really f interesting, funny, moving speech. She is fantastic. Daisy May Cooper won Best Female Performance for MIB Unreasonable in the Comedy. Lenny Rush also, also won for that show. But yeah, it was, um, it was a fantastic night for uh, television. <laughs> and me and Kay, who were there. And you and Kay, who enjoyed yourselves. <laughs> Kay and I. fantastic. Okay, yes. well, that was the news. And shall we move on to this week's reviews? Uh, I could be honest, we begin this week by going back to 1954 for Annabelle Oak's Grease colon Rise of the Pink Ladies, which is a prequel to, obviously, Grease, and an origin story for Rizzo's little band. Uh, Beth, obviously, the question on everybody's minds is Grease. Still the word. Um, <laughs> well, I guess so. Grease very much the word. Grease <laughs> is the word that's explored over 55 minutes. And that's just the first episode. Of the first episode. <laughs> so, yeah, if you were wondering how the Pink Lazies rose. Which of us <laughs> wasn't wondering? Who among us could I mean, say that we were us, not? Yeah. Yes. Look no further than this 55-minute opening episode, which, to be honest, answers answers what happens pretty neatly, and you could probably stop there. Um, it's. Uh, I feel the way you're saying 55 minutes. That's a lot of um, it doesn't help. feeling. It doesn't help. We, I watched it at half past seven this morning. Um, it uh, is... 
<laughs> okay, okay. So, so let's take a slightly different it's time. Like, you conked out. It's like it's <laughs> malfunctioning. Yeah. It's broken. It's like it's, it's, broken a, it's aggressively musical. It, like, it is, so isn't it? Aggressively, aggressively this, so. There's this big. Oh, I'll tip my hat to the production values. That is pretty great. But there's this really like vi- like violently like kinetic set piece. <laughs> Where they're just there's someone spreading a rumor around and they're all running between each other to like whisper the rumor and it's like they're passing a fucking live bomb between each other. It's like <laughs> they're like running between cars and jumping and doing little backflips to get to the next person and the cut. Oh, it's exhausting. It's just like and and yeah, I just I don't know. I did I didn't need this. <laughs> I, I mean, was, uh, did, I really like these. Yeah. Did, did but this is what I was going to ask. Are you a grease, like grease, greaser, grease head, grease? Well, I don't know what I call listen, you. I'll get down to the grease medley on the wedding dance floor. Right. I'm, I'm all for it. Tell it me will... more, Beth. Tell me more. <laughs> why do, why do, why do? Um, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't need this, and still don't really coming out the other side. I, it was, you know, it's got a lot. It's got a lot of moxie. It does. It's a plucky show. I should say what it's about, really, shouldn't I? It's yes. about it, it's about a high school and the the kind of four these four kind of kooky outcast girls who can't really find their way into the the ecosystem, the high school ecosystem, yeah. shall we say? Led by Marissa Davila, who plays Jane. They uh, are just not fitting into the ecosystem, and the episode of I'm oh, just going to cut to it. It just concludes with them kind of coming together and deciding that they'll be the pink ladies, yeah, and then cement it by doing a, a sort of public act that really shocked me and felt pretty when I say Bart Simpson yeah they put a real Bart Simpson and I don't really understand why that happened I was very confused I was surprisingly shocked by that as well and I also watched it first thing in the morning maybe it's just not something for before breakfast but 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 I mean I was going to spoil what it is but it's it's an echo of something else that happens in the show and the earlier echo of it is not shocking for gendered reasons and then the second echo really like floored me in a way yeah. i'm not quite even quite sure why so, am i being prudish but i found this genuinely quite shocking yeah. yeah yeah it was uh it was a lot and it's also this kind of it's interesting what you're talking about with friends where you know jennifer anson's almost like seeking penance for a show that was made 30 years ago this feels very oh. similar oh, yeah. in that it is trying to kind of claw modern feminism out of a show yeah. set in the mm. 1950s and I'm not saying it should like abandon that entirely but it also doesn't quite work just make a modern show with those kind of values in it it really is trying to claw out kind of uh you know fight like a girl like all those kind of slogany feminism moments that it's kind of trying to pull those out and embolden these women it but, but in a setting that was absolutely not built for these girls in mind so why would any of that happen i don't know there's a line in a song <laughs> right oh, this don't. is the actual don't. line i'm tired boys this is, an, <laughs> this is an actual line from one of the songs in this show when you're in the club we've got each other's backs as long as you're not jewish asian brown or black single woman or gay on the wrong side of they that's an actual lyric yeah from the show which is set let me remind you in 1954 <laughs> i mean 
I don't mind, you know, as, as you say, it's fine to try, you know, address the issue. Like, I'm just, it's, I'm just like that kind of syndrome. Do you remember when they were just like the first episode of I'm just like that, the, you know, Sex and the Issue rival, when they felt they had to address every single yeah. issue. Oh, every, every issue. Bloody art. It was exhausting, oh. right? Yeah. And eventually that show settled down and had some, but this is like, oh, we know it was bad in 1954. Yeah. If you if you want to talk about that, then show the badness of what it was like. Don't yeah. give us a fucking bland lyric and pretend. Do you that... know what I mean? Because also, even if they dress it, what the fuck are they going to do with it? Exactly. You well, I, then the only interesting thing to do about a Grease prequel, which this is, <laughs> would be to kind of do like a gritty version of this world. You could they could have done it. They would have taken it. Would have been hard, but mm. you could yeah. have done a, a grittier version addressing all the issues that it must have been fucking living hell for young women going through high school in yeah. 1954 let's face it and instead it's this blandified bullshit nonsense like absolutely weirdly out of outdated nonsense that they all have to spout constantly yeah. it's embarrassing yeah. i mean i knew i was going to hate it when they do an opening version of the brilliant theme tune which was by, written by Barry Gibb and sung by Frankie Valli the Grease is the Word is one of the best, <laughs> honestly, it's a fantastic song. Brilliant animated title sequence, if anyone remembers from Grease. Yeah. One of the best things about that film, which I film is I, I genuinely like, uh, slash love. Yeah. And they do this awful, bland, terrible version of it that yeah. removes all the power from yeah. that song. It's such a brilliantly produced song, record. They should have just stuck with the original of that and then done another version of it, maybe later on. You yeah. know, Just give us basically that version. Yeah. It's like... The people who make Doctor Who know that one of the best things about Doctor Who is the theme tune, and they've kept it as it is for 60 years, mm. albeit with yeah. slight remixes, and re but they stick to the that, but pretty much that song, that tune. And it's, uh, I was already like, my hackles were up <laughs> when they ruined that song. Yeah. It's so boring. It has no dramatic tension whatsoever. Yeah. Like, it's literally, I, I got to the end of that, but as you say, 55 minutes. I mean, they sh it should have been half hour per episode for yeah. start. The original film is 110 minutes. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be a minute longer, <laughs> a minute shorter. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Even Grease 2 is, pre is pretty good. It's mm. pretty good fun. Grease 2, oh, a lot of Grease fans, some Grease fans even prefer Grease 2 to Grease. They do. Yeah. But this is just a Farrago. And it really is like, we know Paramount, we know you've got all these properties. American Gigolo, a lot of people hate American Gigolo. I didn't mind it. it was fine. The show, the show was good. The show, yeah, we like, right. Got yeah, cancelled, yeah. but it was good. Yeah, a lot of people absolutely slated it. A lot of critics absolutely slated it. Well, that's harsh. It. I like for being like you know contrived blah 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 but this is the worst this is i can't imagine yeah. like we've got fatal attraction coming soon i'm open-minded but i've all of the paramount you know reimaginings or whatever it is of their intellectual property this is the most ludicrously wrong-headed yeah. all. it's so terrible i couldn't believe it honestly do you know what i i may be incredibly naive i didn't know anything about this going on but the the, the aggressively musical nature oh. of it Really song, caught me off guard. The songs are terrible. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're not good, but yeah. just they're so in your face. Yeah, from the beginning, I was like, oh, my. I mean, it is a fucking music. God, I know, I know, but, but it just, I just felt battered by it. Yeah, I, and I was just, I was watching it, and like, I must, I think I looked at my watch. I was seven minutes in. I was like, I, I aggressively hate this show, yeah. and I'm not even ten minutes into it, and yeah. it's just. No. It was aggressive, and yet the songs were instantly. Forgettable. Yeah, the songs of the original are brilliant. Yeah, there's. Almost not one weak song in the I would say in the entirety of Greece. Yeah, there's quite a few good songs in Greece too. A couple of weak, but you know it's an object lesson in how to create a musical built around brilliant songs. I'm not I don't even like musicals, but you know 
This this songs in this are shockingly terrible, yeah. <laughs> and not just the lyrics. They're it's yeah. just tuneless. As are as indeed are the characters and the story. Oh my god! Like it's just not. Don't get me started on the the, the women. Yeah. The, the four those they kind of they're all they're, some of them ref, reflect back on sure. the original, you know. Uh, but the men, oh my god, the blandness of the men. Let's not forget John Travolta was again absolutely brilliant in Greece. Yeah. He's fantastic. I know he he was like in his thirties playing playing a high school boy. It's insane, but. You know he was fantastic, and the Ben in this are so they're like they're like bland bloke from uh, that. Yeah, yeah, night. Captain yeah. Sexy Pants, yeah. Captain yeah. Sexy Pants. <laughs> they're all so boring. Uh, do you, here's a, here's a grease or in fact a Pink Lady fact for you. So obviously Rizzo, the uh, leader of the Pink yes. Ladies, in the film, is Stockard Channing. Yes, and uh, she has absolutely no interest in that role or that film whatsoever. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, because when she met Martin Sheen for the first time, right. all he wanted to do was talk about yes. Greece. And she yes. was just like, well, it's just a summer job for me. I don't care. I don't mm. who, who yeah. gives, who gives she's brilliant in it. Yeah, she, yeah. but she has yeah. no affection for that role whatsoever. Yeah. And I think Martin Sheen was a bit crestfallen yeah. that she just didn't want to talk about it. And I asked her about the same thing. She's like, oh, yeah, well, I don't care. It was just a summer job, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Even after Martin, you hadn't learned your lesson from the Martin Sheen debacle. You thought, oh, no, well, he's Martin Sheen, but I'm James Dyer. I can get something out of her about her experience on Greece. I mean, I see what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she was having none of it. Um, all enough. right, fine. Well, that's enough on Greece: Rise of the Pink Ladies, which comes to Paramount Plus on Friday, the 7th of April. Watch it at your peril. <laughs> Let's move on now to our second show of the week. Next up, we have the BBC's Rain Dogs, which you've already heard about, and stars Daisy May Cooper as a single mother who's just been evicted and Jack Farthing as her unlikely saviour slash nemesis. Boydie, first and foremost, why on earth is this called Rain Dogs, given that it features no dogs and precious little rain? Mm, good point. There is some rain in it, I would say, I've, although I have seen six episodes, probably only seen one. Many dogs? Barely made it through one, I don't know. There are, I don't think there are, I can't remember many dogs. Maybe there, I think there are a couple of dogs. I, th I assumed, you know what, I didn't ask, uh, I haven't even researched this. I didn't ask Jack Farthing uh, why, but my guess is it's named after the Tom Waits album. Of the oh, same hello. name, Rain Dogs. Oh, I love Tom Waits. Yeah, because Cash Carraway, who's wrote this show, wrote and created this show, is a huge music fan, mm. huge music buff. And I think she's named, I think Costello, Daisy May Cooper's character, is named after Elvis Costello. And I also think there's a key a storyline uh, halfway through this, is, I think episode three or four, revolving around a Nick Lowe song, because Nick Lowe and Elvis Costello are very much a kind of uh, work together all the time back right. in the day in the 70s and 80s. And I think she's a big, big music buff. And I think it's all about that world. So I'm assuming. But I haven't actually checked at all. But that's See, my... this this is the kind of deep insight and yeah. knowledge that we have you here for, Wendy. Thanks. Thanks, mm. mate. But I did ask Jack Farthing about the about her interest in music and about the use of Nick Lowe. And he did say, yes, she's absolutely obsessed. Mm. And, you know, right very early on in the script, she was like, had to be this Nick Lowe song and they had to get the rights for it, et cetera, because it's a key scene coming up. Uh, no spoilers. So I think that's all. That's all. Why, Cash Carraway, best known in this uh, for for writing her memoir called Skint Estate, and she very much is into, interested in class. I mean, she's kind of the Terry White huh. of memoirs and fiction, and creating this drama. And uh, Terry White's uh, story will be coming soon to a screen near us. This show in an is an absolutely no holds barred look at what life is really like for some people living with no money very little means constantly moving from one place to another trying to keep get find shelter trying to find a, a home for her and her kid um who is 
Iris, brilliantly, brilliantly played by Fleur Tushian. And in the opening episode, she literally ends up homeless, basically. And I think what you're immediately, I think you're immediately placed in a world that you very, very rarely see on television, which is working class people having to deal with poverty, yeah, pretty much, you yeah. know, and the implications of that. And it's so it's kind of often brutal and difficult to watch but also very very funny i think in an, in an incredibly just from the situations and the characters that mm-hmm. people find themselves in there are people who are trying to sexually assault other people there are people who are doing sex work for for re- because they need to find money somehow there's an amazing character this kind of middle class journalist character who shall we say befriends Stacey May Cooper's character Costello um I, I thought that was brilliantly observed by Amnesty I won't spoil it at all but that's a fantastic storyline you will have gathered Listeners, if you heard, listen to my interview with Jack Farley, I really, really love this show. And I genuinely was like banging on about him, how incredible I thought it was. But I do think it's a unique, special thing. He's brilliant. In He's this. fantastic. He's absolutely, in it. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And it's got this because it's got this insane, weird, freaky relationship at the center of it, mm. whereby he is this gay man who spends a lot of time, you know, when he's not on drugs or drunk, trying to find sex or in anywhere, prison, or in prison anywhere, he can just come out of prison for assaulting someone, nearly killing them. Uh, we're told, um, but him and Jack Farthing's character, Daisy Maycomb's character, Selby and Costello, they have this incredibly odd, freaky friendship going on where they love each other deeply but they also hate each other at the same time literally at the same time Mm. and this plays out across the series where they do genuinely horrific things to each other like I I, I did pre-warn James because I worry for him that he's going to have to if he goes on watching the show deal with a lot of really tough stuff because you're almost like uh, my my jaw dropped at some of the horrendous things they do to each other as the series carries on and yet they can't. They keep coming back together, kind of, pretty much. So they've got this like it's codependence. Is I guess is one of the you know clinical words for it, what it is. But it's I've never seen a relationship like it on TV ever. I can't couldn't think of a similar yeah, thing. It's, it's so unusual. weird and special. And you know, and she has other fascinating friends. There's a, there's a character played by Abe Edmondson, who's an artist who specialises in paintings of women's genitals. Basically, yeah. there's amazing scenes with him between Daisy May Cooper and him. This is Daisy May Cooper's most dramatic role today. I think we're used to seeing her in this country, etc. Am I being reasonable? Being very funny. She was a bit dramatic in Am I being reasonable? But in here, she has to do a lot of emoting, and she does it fabulously, brilliantly. Everyone in the cast is great. I absolutely think it's very special. I think it's a brilliant show. Yeah, I think unusual is definitely the word. Uh, Tonally, this is really risky, Mm. I think. And sometimes for me, it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. I think I do like the lightness when it comes to their their little world between the mother and the daughter. And I find that really interesting. And I love that kind of version of London that we see through them. But the kind of juxtaposition of light and dark is very like you get whiplash from it at times like it goes Mm. from kind of jovial and you know artful dodger and making ends meet and running from the police and telling them to fuck off pigs as she's running down you know a stairwell to then you know this chaotic very codependent very toxic relationship with this man who you know loves her daughter but is obviously like there's just a real she's I've only seen the first episode and I'm sure they address it further on but just the fact that they don't quite show the implications of on the little girl in the first episode where there's there's a moment where he nearly strikes her on the face and she says you know do you want to go back to prison you know do you want to mm. go back to that is that what you get has to kind of talk him down from hurting her while the little girl's asleep in the next room and I just I felt yeah it it, it took a lot of risks and sometimes I think 
it, it didn't think about the consequences of what it was doing sometimes. But that said, the performances are absolutely brilliant. I've, I watched Am I Being Unreasonable Over Christmas and thought she was just absolutely brilliant. And I love seeing the TV trajectory that she's on and the creativity that she's been given. And I, I just think she's doing great stuff. And um, he's great as well. Um, yeah, I'm generally on board. I just think tonally it's a little bit risky at times. And, you know, but as I say, first episode, maybe it's addressed a little bit more going oh. on. Maybe there are more consequences to the actions when it comes to the little girl. But at the moment, it is treating it as kind of a kind of ragtag, kind of by the skin of their teeth all the time when there's a lot of, of horribleness going on around them that's actually really dark and nasty. Oh, I think it is incredibly daring. I think you're right. Yeah. And 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 sometimes you're you're it is shocking how what how far they'll go. You're right. Yeah. And, and yeah, um, the implications for the kid are interesting. Yeah, I mean, she is fan- she as it goes on. Yeah, that, that you do see more of that relate those relate interrelationships. But it yeah. is I, I found it shockingly. I, I agree with you about the tone. Yeah, but I think it's almost like the point of it for Cash Carraway. I get the sense that she's really trying to see it go how far she can she can. Yeah, with this stuff, with the tone, with the mix, with the comedy and the drama and the intensity and the yeah, yeah. all of that. It's fascinating. Did you say it was Fleur Tashian plays? Yes, Iris, the daughter. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. She's brilliant. She's very good. Yeah, see, you gave me a trigger warning before watching this. Yeah. You said this is you're gonna struggle with this. And I started watching it and I was like, What's he talking about? This is a comedy because it starts with them being evicted. It's all a bit funny, jolly. There's some good gags in there. And the tone feels quite bouncy and quite nice and quite fun. Yeah. And even as you got it's like it's like, you know, the the famous thing of like the the frog in the boiling water. Like like you, you put you in the water and it's tepid and then they gradually turn up the heat and you don't realise you're being cooked alive. That was me watching this. Like I was watching. I think it's fine. It's fine. It's less funny. It's, I mean, it's less funny now. And oh god, oh kill me! Like you know, yeah. genuinely, like because it gets so bleak. Yeah. And yeah. you you don't quite notice that the gags have stopped, yeah. and it's just become really harrowing. And there's. Did you ever watch uh, the Will Smith movie Pursuit of Happiness? Yes. Yeah. So there's a scene in this that just sort of really evoked the feeling of that. There's a bit in the Pursuit of Happiness where. He's out on the street, he's got his son, and he's in a public toilet so that his son can sleep because it's nighttime. So he's sitting on the floor of a public toilet with his feet bracing the door shut as someone's trying to get in so that his son can sort of get a night's sleep. And that just broke me. And there's a scene in this which is not dissimilar. And it's just horrible. And then you throw weird sex perverts into it. Mm. And it's just the whole thing. I was just like, I I can't have this in my brain. I just can't. I 100% cannot watch any more of this because it just traumatized me. So you were absolutely right. Even though I started watching it, I was like, oh, it's a comedy. It's only half an hour. I'll be absolutely fine. Let me tell you. By the time we got to minute 28, I was dead. So, that I mean, no. Wow. I don't have the fortitude yeah. for no. it. No. no, I imagine not. <laughs> As you mentioned, it's, it's directed, I thought, rather brilliantly by Richard Lexton, who worked on him and her and other show, fantastic shows. I wanted to mention him doing a really good job. Um, yeah, I knew, I knew. Yeah. But everyone in it is very, very good. Like the performances yeah. across the board are great, and the, the you know, it's it's genius. But no, thank you. Mm. Uh, but it is on BBC One, and it begins begins on the 4th Am I, or is yes. it all on the 4th is yeah. it all on the 4th is it all I how are we going to watch it I think it's all available on the 4th as well as being Tuesday uh, the 4th Tuesday the 4th 10.40pm yeah and it's in that it's in that edgy drama BBC slot late night they have late, well you know later 10.40 <laughs> after the news that you know I think 
I May Destroy You was in some. Yeah, slot. So it's in the We're Going to Upset James yeah. slot, is yeah. what it is. <laughs> yes. We're Going to Upset James <laughs> slot. Yeah, yeah. I'm avoiding everything that is in that slot from now on because it's just <laughs> it's just not for me. Right. Okay. Let's let's check out finally with a slightly more upbeat show this week. We have got beef. This is a limited comedy. Starring Stephen Yun and Ali Wong as two people who clash in a road rage incident, only for the resulting vendetta to spiral, shall we say, a little out of control. So, Beth, tell us, is this a fleeting squabble or a grudge match for the ages? I thought you were going to do some meat puns. Oh, meat puns. Yeah. Is it? Is it the chops something i don't know i don't know i also love that you said this is a slightly more upbeat show and it's like rage yeah. infused but, but but it's really dark comedy but it's really funny yeah <laughs> like it's it's comedic yeah it's just dark. and it's bleak as well oh yeah but, we've but, really gone yeah i suppose you're right it's not upbeat at all is it but it's but i think <laughs> this genuinely made me properly laugh at times yeah uh, even though it has gone it's not bleak isn't it it's got it's got a melancholic strain through it yeah nobody's having a nice no. time but they're quite entertaining while they're doing it. Yeah. Yes. So, yes, this, uh, as you say, right from the off, it starts with this incident, which is this really charged kind of highway showdown that ends with like a flipping of the bird, like flower beds going everywhere. Just like really, really angry. Just just instantly just sets the tone. It's <laughs> super propulsive, really fun. And then it splinters into these two lives. So you've got Stephen Yoon as um, Danny, who is a real deadbeat, which is a really fun character for him to play. Mm. Like you've never really seen him in this before. He's got great breath, Stephen Yoon. He gets to do some amazing stuff. Obviously got the send off of a lifetime from Walking Dead. And then he's done all manner of stuff since then but here he plays this real kind of conman-esque guy he lives with his brother and he tries to do kind of quick cash grab jobs while also working as i think a landscaper a, he calls himself a contractor contractor mm. yeah not a handyman not a handyman not a handyman <laughs> crucially yes so he's kind of you know slumming it and uh trying to get by and he is suicidal as well we find out in the first episode or he has suicidal tendencies and then on the other side of things uh Ali Wong plays Amy who is this incredibly successful entrepreneur with a very handsome husband who wears extraordinary cardigans <laughs> like really he's got good knitwear cool, action yeah fantastic mm. hardies um and this adorable little girl they live in a ridiculous house very um arty very trendy you'd see them swirling around shoreditch and they'd look very in place <laughs> um so she's got that but then it's also miserable for her own reasons and deals with a lot of microaggressions because of her race and is trying to you know battle her way through a very white centric kind of it really pokes fun at the kind of female entrepreneur kind of landscape and industry, you know, where you pay like 80 quid to go to a convention where women talk about like how easy it is to have it all when they come from excessive amount of money. I have thoughts on this as you, <laughs> as you probably are picking up on. Um, but yes, yeah, so they're obviously from these two very different worlds and then collide over this, this uh, incident. And then it's about how that rage unfurls, but then also the reason behind the rage. So you get, you get yeah insight into why both of them are just so miserable and why they get this kind of thrill out of tormenting each other and coming after each other, which is what happens after the the incident happens. And I think it's great. I think it is just brilliantly performed. Ali Wong is extremely funny, but also really emotionally poignant as well. And Stephen Yeun, as I say, is is a bit of bit of a wrong end, which is quite fun to watch as well, but also having a terrible time himself. 
So two great performances. It looks beautiful. It's really beautifully shot. This is like, you know, when we talk about the Apple TV Plus shows and the kind of style behind it and the aesthetic is really beautiful. That is very much the case with this. It's created by Lee Sung Jin for Netflix, who did um, a really great animation that I've championed on here before called Tuka and Bertie which also got cancelled. Ah, yes, I'd forgotten our animation editor. So we've, <laughs> we've not covered Hello. a lot of it since you've been away, Beth. Hello. Um, yes. So it's created by him. Who is? It was confirmed today, actually, while we're recording, he's going to be writing Thunderbolts, which is, um, which is a fun, if you want to get to know his work before that obviously comes out, this is a really great way to do it. But yeah, super propulsive, super funny and dry and sad in places, really sad. But the vengefulness is is really great. That's the like real driving force between the both. And it makes you do all manner of stupid, stupid things. But you just look at them and are like, that's a dumb thing you've just done there, isn't it? From peeing on the carpet to stuff I won't talk about because it's spoiling. But let's just say peeing on the carpet is not the biggest crime in the show. Um, so yeah, I really love it. I love the soundtrack. This is a very um, weird soundtrack of kind of early noughties MTV2. <laughs> <laughs> that's very specific it is and it's what i grew up on and i love it there's um i don't think it's a spoiler to say steven yun covers an incubus song in this which nearly killed me <laughs> um which is really wonderful that's it as well he he finds kind of a second life through um following his ex-girlfriend to a church she she kind of heads up a, a christian group and stuff stuff's going on there as well um but yeah i had a really great time with it i'm a good four or so episodes into this and i had i had a really fun time Beth has no beef with beef. No. no. Boydy, do you beef. have beef with beef? No, I don't beef. I don't see how anyone can have any beef with beef. It is yeah. really well done. It's brilliantly made. It's uh, it's it's an A24 production and you can really tell, you know, the people yeah. who gave us everything everywhere all at once. Um and Marcel the shell with shoes on. Indeed, and many many. They have a very high quality threshold. I mean, it's mm. incredible how good, consistently good they're film output is and now they're doing fantastic tv shows as well like th this is th like this one um i just think the premise is instantly you know interesting and yeah. exciting and funny and i like the way how they contrive it so that he doesn't really know she's a woman um to start with um cleverly so well, he, yeah he assumes it isn't, he assumes it yeah. isn't a woman exactly because yeah. because of because she, she's in this big suv type car uh vehicle and it's incredibly aggressive, incredibly <laughs> aggressive exactly so it, it trades on that very well in the uh, to start with and then i i generally am a big fan of things that escalate like falling down is one of my favorite films the oh Douglas great film. that's brilliant. a great point yeah, yeah and this is like falling down but with the two of them yeah. going maniacally <laughs> losing it yeah uh and 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 getting into this fantastic feud and the detail of it and I've, I've i've seen like three episodes i just think the way it keeps escalating and the way you find out more about their characters and their friends and their partners and their um and their families etc is really clever and all of the characters no matter how small or supporting are kind of feel real and believable uh it's just really really well done it was the set I, I read that it was the center of bidding war when this is the first thing Apart from that animated show you 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 talked about that the creator um, had made, and um, there was a massive bidding war from all of the streamers basically for it for the rights, so they knew it was going to be good because mm. it's such a such an exciting and it is fantastic. I agree. Mm. It was great. I I find things uh, like this a little bit stressful. You would be unsurprised yeah. to hear yeah. uh, when no people getting very aggro with each other. <laughs> it stresses me out a little bit, but I, yeah, I, I really liked it, and I think it's down exactly as you say to those two performances. I think she she does deadpan comedy very very well, yeah. uh, and he's you really like he. You're right. He is 
I'm not sure I'd call him a wrong one. I know what you mean. Like he's he's <laughs> he's got a slightly hangdog quality. Yes. He's he's yeah. he's 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 a layered character. He's oh, a complex yeah. character, and he's fun to be around. But you root for him, and it begins with him in the American equivalent of B and Q, uh, trying to return something, and it feels like such a throwaway thing until it kind of returns later in the episode and you think oh god this is so well put together and it's beautiful and even though you know that it's a grudge born out of a road rage incident i don't think anything quite prepares you for the full no. majesty of that incident <laughs> yeah. and how it plays out because it's absolutely spectacular yeah yeah i know i, I loved it i i thought this was was really really good so yes, yay for beef. No beefs yay. with beef. We're all about the beef. Yep. Uh, and the beef, which lands on the Netflix, arrives on. He's Th- playing for time. Thursday, he's got it Thursday. That's Thursday, it. Thursday, the sixth of April. Of April. Of April. Now, um, those are not the only things out this week, are they, Boydie? We've also got, among other things, tiny beautiful things, which is on Disney Plus. This is based on the Cheryl Strayed book of the same name, uh, which stars the excellent Catherine Hahn as a writer who takes on the mantle of an advice columnist when her own life is in freefall. Now, this is not embargoed, but there are only so many hours in the day, so we'll be getting to that one on Pilot Plus. Uh, where you'll also find our recent Lockwood and Co. spoiler special with Joe Cornish with a massive like 50 odd minute interview with Joe Cornish which is great talking about that show and other assorted delights all for the paltry sum of $1.99 a month which would just about buy you a twirl from one of the vending machines at London Bridge Station <laughs> so I'm saying that's a decent trade yeah okay. a decent trade what else have we missed egregiously well, it's quite a busy week so we also didn't have time for Dreamland yeah. which is the new show on Sky Atlantic now on Thursday arriving at night nine o'clock which is based on Sharon Hawkins BAFTA winning short um, it's set in Margate Lily Allen is in it um, it looks very interesting but we didn't have time for that maybe I'm sure we'll come to it we'll, we'll give our thoughts on that maybe on the show or Pilot Plus at a later date there's my one of my favourites Meet the Richardsons which is real life uh, married couple John Richardson and Lucy Beaumont who are both stand up hey. comedians there's faux documentary series which I think is absolutely hilarious uh, Jay, James would not that's back on Dave <laughs> on Thursday at 10 o'clock, The Good Mothers is a new Italian set drama based on the novel by journalist Alex Perry, uh, which arrives on Disney Plus on Wednesday. And that is supposed to be excellent. Um, it's all about the wives of mafia bosses. Okay. Yeah, and it looks really good. I didn't have time for that. Schmigadoon. Ah, yes. Which has its fans. With Schmicago. <laughs> yes. So they've moved to Schmicago. Indeed. That's back on uh, Apple TV on Wednesday. So uh, continuing my theory that their half-hour comedies are start on a Wednesday yeah. and the hour-long dramas. Comedy Wednesday. Comedy Wednesday. Now, I could not stand Schmigadoon no. season one. Same. Very much in the Grease musicals situation <laughs> for me. I found it unbearable. People absolutely effing love yeah. it. I wonder if we just we just don't have the hots for musical theatre. Maybe that's Maybe. it, Boyley. I only like Les Mis. I've seen it 12 times. <laughs> Uh, so I, mean, I really like Claymore, insane, but I don't like any of the others. Oh my god, that's really I know. mad! I'm unpredictable. I can't. I mean, I can't cope with Claymore, but you know, yeah. I mean, that's a that's sung through, isn't it? The whole thing is singing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. I mean, in Greece, you get dialogue. Yeah, there's no dialogue. As really. you you get dialogue. Yes, well. you do. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably about it. Yeah, that's that, that's the main stuff. Okay, what is our pick of the week? Uh, it's beef for Beth. It's beef for Beth. 
Uh, it's rain dogs for me. It's beef for Boyd because it alliterates, <laughs> but it's also rain dogs for Boyd. Yeah. Uh, it is beef for me as well. Uh, I thought that was loads of fun and it didn't traumatize me, which was obviously <laughs> a benefit. Uh, that's it, I guess, for this week's show. If you enjoyed it or would like to express your outrage at Kay being denied her cake this week, which I must admit I really enjoyed eating during the first section of the podcast, uh, do head on to it Apple Podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> it was a muffin, whatever. Do head on to a, I don't know, a podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you like. Leave us a five-star cake a five-star cake rating a five cake rating leave us a five cake rating oh on gosh. apple podcasts uh and do follow us on the socials at james c Dyer, at boyd hilton and at beth k webb next week we're gonna have melanie linsky on to talk about the new season of yellow jackets wow which we, we're also having weekly spoiler discussions about over on Pilot Plus. Uh, and we'll be getting into a number of things including possibly and this will excite you beth the final season of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes! (laughs) The Last Things He Told Me is another new Apple show as they're rolling them out at the moment. And Boydie, Boydie, it's time. It's time. The Last Kingdom, Seven Kingdoms Must Die, comes to Netflix. Now, obviously, this is technically a film. (laughs) film. But we've long established that Boydie has no objection to crossing (laughs) the streams when it suits him. So I'm saying we might just get into that. Come on, you, you know you're excited. Absolute Belen. Utred of Bebenbear. Destiny is all. <laughs> so pleased with my life choices. Pilot <laughs> out. <laughs>